1: reason i wow that's very strange my text messages are you know how that like there's a little progress bar so it sits there for a while and doesn't move
2: hmm. that's weird
1: like so i get the sense that like my text messages are not getting to people very quickly here
0: welcome to the technology of tomorrow
1: <laughs> technology of 20
0: 2012 <laughs> i wish they had invent a silent fan because it's not even that hot today, and I know I'm going to melt while we're recording this, and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when we get into the actual real summer.
1: Um, have, do you, have you seen the Dyson Blades?
0: Is it silent? I mean, it's like yeah, $500, but...
1: Yeah, it's absolutely silent. It's crazy.
0: I bought a Dyson, actually. I mean, I bought a vacuum. I bought the little hand vacuum. I mean, it was like $300, but holy shit, have you used one of those things? Yeah, I own one. I will never own any other kind of vacuum in my life. I didn't think it could be like that much better. You know, you read the reviews online and it's like, oh, it's good. It's it's better. But they don't like really give you like at least this hand one, the one the one that I have. I don't know the model number. So something trigger. Um, but holy I could if there's a two settings on this one, I don't know if yours has two settings, but yep. I put on the high setting, I could suck hair off the dog's back with this thing. <laughs> it's it's likely that you and I have
1: the exact same vacuum and I I literally swear by that thing. It's probably the best like appliance purchase I've ever made. That thing's unbelievable.
0: I'm gonna buy the the wand attachments so that I can, you know, do it on rugs and stuff too. Cause you can make yep. it into like a normal vac. Yep, totally worth it. I have it. <laughs> Welcome to Vacuum Review. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like this is our first ever home improvement episode. Um, but yeah, I, I would love that fan if it's silent because the fan I have, it, it does a good job, but I can't turn it on when we're recording. If the vacuum is any indicator, the fan is just as good. Uh, I might have to save up and invest for that because I don't know how we're going to survive. I have, for people, listening, I have carpet in the room that I'm recording in. So it gets blistering in here during the summer. Remember when we tried to do that um, that interview and the computer fried from the heat? Oh, yeah,' <laughs> it was like nineties ninety something or a hundred degrees in this room, and the computer was like you know fifty sixty degrees above that. the fan just couldn't keep up i, I remember
1: there were days where um because I had to have uh I was trying to record off wi fi with the speaker setup up for a while, and I remember being in the room on certain summer days where um my room was the only
0: room where I could get silence, and man, it was, it was like a hundred and ten degrees in there, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how these. Maybe they just have really good air conditioning people that do it more professionally. Um, you know, they get like this perfect, you know, like Joe Rogan and stuff like that, where there's no background noise. They must just have like silent air conditioning and not fans. Huh. And uh, we're not professional, Chad. <laughs> I'm just kidding, dude. And we can't we can't call ourselves professional until we start making money. That's
2: the good <laughs> That's point. the rule. Absolutely. Totally. That's the definition, technically. Yep.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, we, we took last week off, so we should have lots of things to talk about. I have weird stuff. And I see yeah, you I added, have. You added some stuff in there. Are we ever yeah, going to talk most... about death?
1: Um, maybe. Um, that's, that's, I, I, <laughs> I actually kind of want to talk about life. Um, I, I feel like death is going to be one of those that just lingers there forever. Um, kind of like death in that's, real life. <laughs> that's a good
0: metaphor, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Um. But yeah, I I, I actually kind of want to talk about life and how 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 different life is, how how why it's been difficult for me to um actually schedule the podcast properly. Um, it's been a nightmare, but for all the right reasons. And I really want to catch you up on a lot of things, actually.
0: All right, well, you brought it up. Let's get into it then. That's what they're here for. They're here to listen to you and I talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, for anyone who has been listening to the show um, over the last, like, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven, ten 6, 7, episodes, um, I've been a mopey shit. Um, you know, I've been dealing with the end of a relationship and it's been kind of a, 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 a harrowing experience in many ways. Um, just because, you know, once you... Uh, especially considering how serious that relationship was, there were so many things that were intertwined in it. Um, and like, unlike most of the relationships that I've had, it wasn't just... Um, the things that are typical to a relationship, you know, we also wrote music together. Uh, we traveled together. We, we, we shared a lot. We were basically best friends as well as, um, a couple. And so when you dismantle something like that, the, the, the jarring effect of just completely rerouting all of the things in your life is so profound that you leave, you're left with not having any idea about who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously, at the end of any relationship, you have the strong sense, the strong feeling that, um, you know, th- things shouldn't have ended, or whatever it may be, like those feelings of, of remorse and regret, and you know, the, the natural associations that you you have with how a relationship ends. Um, but I will say now that you know, uh, however many months deep I am into this process of of grieving and, and rebuilding. Um, I think I finally turned a corner in the last two weeks and the amount of openness and expansiveness in my life has increased in such an exponential way that it's almost difficult for me to come to terms with how much happier I am and how making the choice to go outwards instead of inwards dramatically changed my mindset in such a short period of time. Um, and now i'm I'm on the cusp of that you know i've, I've and and not only that but here's here's another interesting uh, thing that comes along with that too is the moment I made the choice to to turn my my energies outwards towards building back into the world again, so many things started to fall into place without me having any real idea or intention of going after any of these things you know for example um I got hitched onto a startup um that i really really like and i'm i'm starting to do some work with those guys um it's this is literally a, a 3 day old relationship but it's probably one of the coolest groups of people i ever worked ever worked with you um, know all of this spawned from my 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 need to make more money because i'm sick and tired of of living um the startup entrepreneurial life where i basically sacrifice everything for the sake of progress um and, you know, other things, like I found a, a potential music writing partner. Um, I'm starting to work on, on politics in a very um, in-depth and much more hands-on way. Um, there's a potential, for example, that I might eventually run for public office. Um, and this is at the advice of a congresswoman, um, which is probably a pretty credible source when it comes to people. And, you know, there are plenty of people in my life who tell me I should run for public office. But when a congresswoman tells you that, it's a whole different story. Um, and she tells you specifically why you should. <laughs> um, so it's been it's been a very eye-opening experience. And all of this has happened within the last seven to ten days. Um, and all of it has basically just increased exponentially from day to day, almost from hour to hour um, in such a way that I don't think I've ever been. As understanding of myself as a person um, as I am right now, nor do I ever, nor do I feel like I've ever had um, as much pure positivity that comes from me as I do
0: right now. That's something we've talked about a lot. You know, having just gone through and re-listened to every episode we've ever recorded, almost three years. So, and that's not because of AA or anything like that. I just got tired of drinking, and my life just didn't have a place for it anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a good chance that after drinking, what was it? 19.2 mm-hmm. food ounces of 7.0 IPA. I may be a little loopy by the end of this episode. I hope so. It's one of the things that when I when I drank on a regular basis before, I had a fairly good tolerance. And I always, always used to hate that. I always wish I had a low tolerance. You know, spend $4, get a buzz, be done with it. So much better. And you flush it well, out of your system back to more
3: life.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: <laughs> all right. So, what do I think of this beer? It honestly, this tastes. I I feel like I'm drinking Lagunitas. It tastes exactly like a Lagunitas IPA. Do you think that's symptomatic
1: of all IPAs?
0: No, definitely not. Oh, uh, that's
1: true. Yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking about that sense, like there's plenty of of. I've lagunitas, or I'm sorry, not lagunitas, but IPAs that I've tasted that have been very, like wildly different.
0: I would say, I don't know if it's because of the huge popularity a couple years ago or several years ago of IPAs, but I would say of all the styles of beer, there's probably more variety in IPA than any other style of beer, even over lagers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a bold statement, but that's how I feel personally. But this is very, very similar. To Lagunitas, it has that kind of, um, I keep going back to the word on the bottle, which is the problem with reading the bottle, hazy. It does have a, when I read the word hazy, Mm -hmm. I think hoppy and I think weed. It -hmm. does have a bit of that weedness to it. I don't know a better way to describe that. That's not really a word, but. A a dankness. That's a good word for it. So so to speak. there is a bit of a dankness to it, like Lagonitas, But then it has a, a crispness, like Lagunitas as well. I mean, if you gave this to me, I would think it was Lagunitas. So I don't know. Yeah, like if I never should give the label. Yeah. I don't know how Russian River feels about that, if that's what they were going for, or if they would be bummed out by that. But the fact that I'm enjoying it, they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And this, I would say this beer is, it's my drink. This is, I could drink many nice. of these. So we have two winners in one episode. So I think I think, as we go along, we'll get better at the spear section. Neither of us know what the hell we're doing. That's kind of the fun part about it for me at least. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I'm extremely
1: excited by the prospect of that. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like the more serious we get, and the more formulaic we get. The more, I mean, the, the best versions of this and the the most comfortable for me are always when it 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 kind of reverts back to who we are as people and the conversations we typically have. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me feels the best. You know what I mean? Otherwise, otherwise it starts feeling laborious, and and I feel like the moment it starts edging into that territory, then it becomes harder and harder for me to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Because it feels like homework.
0: Which will bring us right to the part that I wanted to talk about next, how we ended up here. For the most part, this is not going to be a typical episode because it's our first one. in. I think, was it been been over a year or almost exactly a year? It's been a while. And we kind of just want to talk about how we got here and how we feel about it and uh, whatever else comes out of that. But yeah, I think that the, one of the things going into this that I thought about having just broke off, All of my social media for each of my podcasts, my other podcasts, which for anybody who doesn't know, I have three other ones. Was I I asked myself, hey, am I gonna have to make social media accounts for this too? And then I thought about it, I'm like, no, this is the personal podcast. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is this is the most me. Uh, As far as my personality, you know, the other ones are certain parts of my, my interests and my creative outlet. But this is the most me, my personality, and this is the most you, your, your personality. So it makes sense for us to just talk about this podcast if we're going to using our personal accounts. Mm, Sure. And that's something, you know, I never considered until today. When we originally did this show, we had an email address for the show and we had, you know, social media for the show or whatever we should have just had people contacting us on our personal social media accounts. Because whenever they wanted to say something about the show, they never wanted to say something necessarily to both of us. You know, like, I want to tell Lamb this. Well, go tell Lamb. <laughs> I'm not going to be seems, the go-between.
1: It seems seems weird, weirdly logical when you say it like that. It's like, why the hell did we not come to that
0: sooner? <laughs> well, you know, of I course,
2: think it's, it's the
0: world in general, too. I think that we're moving... We're slowly getting out of the adolescence of social media, some of us mm-hmm. some yeah, of the world sure. is some of the some of the world is just entering social media puberty right now, but mm-hmm. for those of us in at least in Silicon Valley, where this is kind of old hat, we've kind of adjusted, and these things make sense, and we we can see things in a more logical sense, having done everything the wrong way before which is kind of- <laughs> which in a way you know when when uh after we decided we did to do this two quotes stuck in my head all week about this show i wish i could quit you <laughs> i was like why am i thinking about broke back mountain all week like, It's, it's so weird. that's how i feel about this show you know it's like random badass 3, it's back again i wish i could quit you or uh it has returned or godfather three just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. They pull <laughs> me back in.
1: <laughs> you know, my the quote that's tattooed on my chest comes back to me when I think about this show, which is uh, the Dostoevsky quote, um, it is better to go wrong in your own way than right in someone else's. Yeah, well, we're definitely good about going the wrong way.
0: <laughs> that's how we Yeah, ended up we really. are
1: excellent at that. Yep, and we're back.
0: Well, one of the interesting things I think, in breaking things into seasons, like I did, just for the description. So people kind of have a general idea. If they picked up the show, you know what what the hell is why are these all so different? At first I thought that was strange that we were always changing, but I kind of like that now. When I look back at it, it's like, oh, we tried a lot of different things and we went through a lot of different phases, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Like it was fun to not like, okay, this is what our show's gonna be, and it's gonna be this forever. Sure. Because I think sometimes you can play a concept out. Well, you are also talking
1: about that, I think, in the one of the previous episodes, which is how there are certain long-running shows that have become less interesting because they haven't deviated at all.
2: You know?
0: Um, and, and they've just become stale and stagnant. I think that was in the last Brainstorms recording that we did that I scrapped.
2: Mm, I see. Yeah,
0: so... Essentially, it's true. You look at, um, I'm not going to name any names, but there are some podcasts that have been going on for 500 episodes with the same exact format. And then you go listen to it now and you're like, I like it because I like the people, but it's not as good as it used to be. God, that's a lot. 500
1: episodes of the exact same thing, man. I don't know if I could do that.
3: Yeah, that seems,
1: that's, that's,
0: that feels like so much, you know? It's too much. Yeah. One of the reasons we are a little less prepared today, too, is Lamb spilled the beans. (laughs) We were going to wait till November to do this. (laughs) And then Lamb spilled the beans because you couldn't hold back. You were excited. Why were you so excited? Oh,
1: yeah. No, I was super excited because because it it finally felt right. You know, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The last iteration of the show actually felt pretty good as well. It was a different show, just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the last, the the last thing we did, which was brainstorms. I mean, I feel like there were elements early on that were really comfortable. Um, and I really, really liked those things. Um, but I feel like now we're, 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 we're slowly, but surely getting back to, to what, at least in my mind, um, the thing that I always kind of, and I I don't know if I was conscious of this until now. Um, but the thing that I always kind of wanted the show to, or not the show, but for us to go back to is what it felt like to just have conversations on on Carlos's porch. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Like, I mean, those those were the conversations. Carlos is a that, good friend of ours, by the way. Yeah, he's he's he's, he, and and we used to have these crazy long, philosophical, artistic. I mean, it, it, we, we talked about essentially everything, including, yeah, including farts and, and, and boobs and stupid stuff. Um, yeah. but we also talked about, you know, like philosophies of the universe and like existentialism and all that kind of stuff too. And we would have these marathon conversations till like three in the morning on his porch. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were the kind of conversations that I would be annoyed leaving. Cause I just would want to keep going. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what I kind of wanted it to return to, um, and I, I feel like we've gotten close in bits and pieces, but we haven't committed fully to going back to, to what our friendship looks like. And I think the core of this show, for, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, is at its best when it mimics as best as possible the conditions that were conducive to our friendship.
0: Well, for people who are listening that weren't following what we've been doing in the meantime, we had another show which still exists, it's called Brainstorms. And our idea with that was, well, originally it wasn't called Brainstorms. You remember? When we first started Mm -hmm. that, it was called The Other Shit. Because Mm -hmm. it was a place where we decided that we wanted to do a podcast together again because we missed doing it. And especially with everything going on in the world, like social time was like gone. You know, like nobody's like hanging out with anybody right now. So like it forced us to schedule time to hang out in a way. And it was called The Other Shit because at the time I was, and still to some degree, am knee-deep in true crime research. And Lamb mm-hmm. is neck-deep, at least that high, in politics. <laughs> and we needed yeah. a place to talk about something other than those two things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then like we got, like I don't know, I think it was two episodes into it. And you made a comment. You said, eventually we should change the name. Because I, I wasn't sure if we could call it The Other Shit or if Apple would just kick us out with the word shit. So I put an asterisk where the i is, which made it impossible to find in search. Now, when you made that comment, you remember making that comment first of all? Oh, 100%, yeah. Okay, so was it an offhand comment or had you been thinking about it for a while? No, I'd been thinking about it the moment I saw the moment I saw
1: the name. I was like, ah, there no one's ever going to find this thing. Mm. And 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 I thought, you know, because I mean for me like especially in the political world that I'm working in, like there's And and this is part of the reason why I didn't say it earlier, um, is because I didn't want it to feel too businessy. Like I didn't want us to care about who saw it and who found it. Um, But at one point or another, like you make that you think to yourself, I mean, come on, we're we're doing this so people can listen to it. We really should make it so that even if we don't purposefully want people to find it, we shouldn't make it hard for people to find it. Right? (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: We've had we've had conversations, especially on brainstorms. We had a couple conversations about working against yourself, especially with social media, working against the algorithm and all of these other things. So you made that comment, and it was something I think I hadn't consciously been thinking about, but it had been lingering underneath. And as with the way my brain works, it takes a little time for things to sink in. And actually, I kind of wish, to some degree, we had some of that conversation that we had last week that I scrapped, because we did talk a little bit And maybe even before we recorded, to be honest, I think it may have been the intro to that episode, but we talked a little bit about my speech impediments Mm -hmm. and how I'm always, my mind is always 30, if I'm lucky, 30 seconds in front of my mouth. Sure. And because of that, I think it takes a while for me to register things because I have to be outside of the moment and go, oh, that person said that. I understood that on a surface level, but now I'm actually contemplating what that means. And then those things sink in. Sure. And then about a week after that, I was like, yeah, he's right. We need a different name. We need a different name. Yeah, we need a different name. And I started searching around and surprisingly, Brainstorm's two words was not taken. Well, it was, but it was one person made like four episodes in like 2017. So effectively, abandoned Anchor podcast doesn't count. So was not taken. And I think something about... The transition to that name, going back to what you said about taking it too seriously, slowly led us to taking that show more seriously than we intended, which ended mm-hmm. up being a good thing, but not necessarily for you and I together, Sure, because what we realized, especially after the last one, you you made what I think was an offhand comment, but maybe not, that it has to be fun for you. And I realized that in order for that show to fulfill what it was doing to reach the audience that it's made for. That it was going to be less conversation and more of me telling you things and you reacting. And I started to think about that. I'm like, that's really fucking boring for him. I mean, it would be less, it would be less boring if it was something that I was actively working on.
1: And I think that, you know, in the conversation we've had throughout the course of the week, that was something that you fleshed out, which is if we were both working on developing, you know, our, our work patterns within a note-taking app, then I think it would be a far more enjoyable show. But if I have no idea like what you're talking about, nor do I have a desire to work on that specific thing, then we've got a problem,
0: you know? Right. I think what I said to you was it would be like doing a fishing show with someone who doesn't eat seafood. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I realized that's the other thing you said in that particular episode. You said something along the lines of how you weren't using note taking apps and you weren't using checklist apps anymore. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, that's going to be a, a large focus of the show because that's the audience. Sure, sure, sure. And I was like, I started thinking, I'm like, do I really want to go into every show feeling like I have to justify what I'm, you know, the topic because you're not interested in it? Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not going to work either. Sure. sure. So my next thought was, well, I still want a podcast with lamb. What do we do? And I had been doing the newsletter. I've been doing my weekly review newsletter, which I brought back, I think two months ago, maybe less. And in the last three or four episodes, I had switched it to an audio format. And that's where I came up with the whole weekly beer thing. And I think that the second to last episode of, of it in the audio format I decided, oh, you know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk about what has worked from my week. And I realized that like those two ideas were really good ideas. They were just in the wrong place. Because yeah. me talking about beer to myself in the newsletter, interesting sort of. Far more interesting for two people to share a beer and talk about the beer that they're drinking. And the same thing, a modified version of going back over the week in a way. I don't want this to be like a weekly review, but like you and I had talked about, like, we'll just keep our eyes open, our ears open during the week for, that's something interesting that I want to have a conversation about Mm -hmm. and be able to bring that in. And I was like, that's going to work more for that. And then I realized, I'm like, well, I have the random badassery feed. Why don't we just bring it back? And then moment I brought it up to you first, your first reaction actually wasn't yes. Your first reaction was, there's got to be a middle ground here. That was your first reaction.
1: What were you thinking then? So I feel like there's a lack of formula that helps us. But I also feel like there's a existence of structure that helps us. And it's hard to really reconcile how those coexist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Without it being too rigid and without it being too freeform. There's got to be a somewhere in between there.
0: Right. Which is what I'm looking forward to doing with the show. This is a part where, for those of you listening, we're going to kind of explain at least starting off where we think we're going, why we brought this back, what we think we're going to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously, as with anything, it probably will evolve as we get into, it, as we realize, Oh, we suck at that. Don't do that. Go this way a little more. We'll see what happens. But I think what we learned from brainstorms was having a, a more focused uh, direction with mm-hmm. where the episode's going was beneficial. Some limitation was beneficial. Whereas that was one of the problems we had when we started this show. There was literally no limitation. And we went everywhere and we missed a lot of really good opportunities. Sure. Because there's things we talked about that we just breezed, breezed over very briefly. So for me, what I've been thinking, and I think I communicated this to you well, is taking the idea of like, hey, here's something that would have come up you know, from the week I've been thinking about this. Yeah, I think my, my example to you was... Uh, if you're watching Star Trek and you think, can a paperless society really work? Hmm. That's an interesting conversation. So you set up a fence like here's, you know, we're going to talk about this one or two things in this episode. But then other than that, let go of the limitations.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead of, hey, let's talk about 15 things in this episode and not really get anywhere with them or focus on one or two things and really try to actually understand what we're talking about and like really go for for something, but then not have that have a format. I think that's the taking the lessons we learned from brainstorms and then applying what we loved about this show to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And allowing that to flourish. You know, like right now, for all intents and purposes, we are in the fence of, hey, we're talking about being back, but there's been no structure other than that. We've gone kind of all over the place within that.
2: Yeah, but
1: I I think that's, Thing that we we worry too much about is that structure. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we should always be cognizant of it. But I think you and I have a natural pace and rhythm. I mean, that the amount that we have talked recorded is is shockingly high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from from the, the from just that alone, we've established a rhythm that we we we. I think we clearly and like we subconsciously have defined for ourselves. Right. Um, so I don't I don't think it's as necessary. To, to be too rigid. And I think that was part of the reason why I think uh, Brainstorms were starting to head in the wrong direction in my mind is because we were starting to become too rigid, you know?
0: Well, yeah, it was a show that had a, speci- a, a specific audience and a specific focus. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because of some of the topics in that show, like uh, when we talked about mental maps, when we talked about that episode, like is the brain, are all of our cognitive functions built upon... The spatial structures of the mind. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to have fairly good notes to go into that episode, otherwise I'd sound like an idiot. Sure, sure, sure. But the problem is when you go into an episode with extensive notes, is you mm-hmm. end up reading the extensive notes for most of the episode,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is kind of what you were feeling in that rigid structure. So that's why like it just didn't work for us to do that show together because it's mm-hmm. the wrong audience. Yeah. Whereas we can take a topic here and go, here's the topic, and then just go from there. No notes. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking a lot about, you know, like this category that technically we're in the arts category. And before that was obviously very much the focus of the show. And I was like, we're going to have to change the category for this show. And I said, no, you know what? I think this show is about when you when you dig down, at least where it's going to be going forward and maybe what it always was. And we didn't realize it's about the art of conversation. So that that idea of like, hey, let's talk about this until, you know, like, okay, we're at the exhausted point with that you have another topic boom you know instead before what we would do is like just jump when we felt like it and we never really I, I, I listened back to some episodes and I'm like oh that was a really interesting concept there and we talked about it for like 40 seconds and how disappointing how disappointed i was listening to some of those
1: it's very funny you say that because i going into this episode there was definitely one that i really wanted to talk to you about from a previous episode that i think we just skimmed over <laughs>
0: That's that's kind of what I plan on doing is going back every once in a while and listening to old episodes and looking for those loose threads,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. we're still of, the same people. I mean, we've of changed. which
1: there of which there are a lot, by the way.
0: And there's stuff that we talked about that's changed. You know, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll be interesting. I want to be able to bring that continuity, even going back and listening to episodes that I did when you weren't on the show, mm-hmm. like that I, you know, people I interviewed in that season. There might be stuff there that you and I could talk about too.
1: Oh sure, true. Yeah. I can
0: see so, that. So it's be be really interesting. I I think in some way it can be like an unofficial homework for you and I is to, to always in some way be listening to old episodes and looking for stuff. Yeah. Not as the focus of the show, but something to enrich the history of the show to bring this all together. Because I do think as as much as the evolution is important, a certain continuity also is important.
1: Yeah. No, I get that. I understand. Yeah.
0: And I, I don't mean that for you and I. I think that's a mistake a lot of podcasters make is they make choices about their podcast based on themselves. Yeah. It's for people listening, if there's there's at least a couple people that are listening to this that know the show from the beginning. And how interesting would it be if we started talking about something and they went, Oh my God, I remember that. Sure. That'd be I if I was someone listening to a show and that happened. I would think that was the coolest thing. And I don't, you don't hear that a lot. It's like what I used to say about sitcoms. One of the things I kind of, I don't want to say hated. One of the things that would always bother me about sitcoms and early TV shows, you know, all the way up until the 80s, those first three decades of television, Mm -hmm. is they had no memories. Mm. You know, an episode would happen and they'd be talking about something. And it was like the episode that happened three episodes ago, never happened.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. But then
0: you, that's why I love shows like How I Met Your Mother, because Mm -hmm. they would make a, in season one, they would make a joke, you know, because that time, that show was kind of phasing in and out of time. It was being told from the future. Yeah. This is me telling the past of How I Met Your Mother. So he would mention things that happened like five years in the future from when the first season was taking place. But when they got to the season where that thing actually happened, they had it happen. And I mm. always loved that, that there was that care put into that. So in, in a way, I guess yes, I think about that when we talk about these things, about bringing stuff off and on the back. Yeah, there are, cer-
1: there are certain shows that I wish would do that a lot more and have the opportunity to do that a lot more too. Like shows like, you know, our favorite TNG, for example. Like I feel like there are moments where there, that, that show needed a stronger sense of history. Um, I think certain shows like DS9 learned that, that mistake um, and 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 capitalized on it by having a very long memory. Like, I mean, if you look at you know Gal or like Garrick's characters, like their 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 stories are are told over such a long period of time, and their memories are so long when it comes to the narrative itself. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I I can't I can't say enough like how much I appreciate when a show brings back because I, you know I, I and we've had this conversation on on numerous shows. Like I have a pretty good memory for that kind of stuff, so I love it when shows do
0: that. Yeah. And by the way, he's talking about two Star Trek shows. He's using acronyms for those of us, (laughs) for those of the Trekkies. He forgot that that we really aren't the only two people here. (laughs) Star Trek: The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Uh, But you're right. I think part of that is those old shows. It's because the way that the writing was done is people would just come in and write an episode, but they didn't tell them what was going on with other people writing episodes that season. You know, just like hey, I wrote Mm -hmm. I wrote an episode of of the next generation. Cool. And it was like its own entity. They may in some way play off of stuff that had happened in seasons before, but stuff that was happening within that season, they didn't know. They weren't in a writer's room. People would... Mm. And that's that's a a newer thing. That comedy really brought that to the table with dramas was the idea of a writer's room where the writers were in constant communication with each other about the arc of the show. And the, the thing that those shows also didn't have is they didn't really have showrunners the way that we see them now What sure. used to, when they had showrunners then it was mostly a producer but the showrunners mm-hmm. now are more in a directorial creative role where they're the one controlling the arc you know like uh, when you think about I can't remember his name right now but the guy who does Veronica Mars he's not writing all the oh, episodes uh, yeah you
2: know, yeah God, what the hell's his name
0: or Chibnall Chibnall who's he's, he's the guy that did Broadchurch and now he's the one he's the showrunner for the current Doctor Who. They're not writing all the episodes, yeah. but they are setting the arc for the season. Like, here are the things that are happening in the season. They're keeping track of those things so that when writers are doing individual episodes, they're going, okay, well, you can't do that because two episodes ago this happened. At least that's what the good showrunners are doing. But sure. I think that's that's still a, a more modern phenomena. Uh, I think especially shows like Breaking Bad really... They changed the game, but unfortunately, I think for me, they changed the game a little too much because I do miss episodic television. Ah, and nice segue into what I wanted to talk about episodic
1: television. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, it was something that we brushed upon a few. I don't even remember if it was a, the last episode that we spoke about it, but I wanted to talk about how fucking serious TV is now. <laughs> too much. Oh man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, this I was actually a personal stuff.
0: conversation we had, by the way. Yeah. Wasn't oh really? Was
1: it?
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. It was a pre, it was a pre, um, I mean, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty
1: serious and intense dude by nature, but I think that's part of the reason why, like, so I used to watch TV and, and, and movies all the time. Right. Like I used to check out the new stuff and, and, and I loved seeing like, you know, the, the craftsmanship and shows and the new narratives and the story, storytelling and all that kind of stuff. But I haven't, Took, taken on a new show in like a year and a half. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because I think I, I've i gotten to the point now where I cannot handle the seriousness of it.
0: It's, it's I think I worded when we had that conversation, the way I worded it to you was the new shows, they want too much from me.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, that yeah. is the way you put it. I remember that.
0: And especially with, with those, what's going on in the world right now, I don't have that much of myself to give. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And We and, won't get and, into that, but...
1: <laughs> Yeah. And and all things considered, like, I mean, I have, I want to turn my brain off. I actually more so than just turning my brain off. I want to turn my head and my heart off, you know? Um, and, and that's not to say that I I want that all the time. You know, I just, I I just want that right now. Like I need a break, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This stuff is, this stuff is so hard and the world is so hard. And there's so many things going on that the last thing I need is to then worry about a character or worry about the, the, the universe within the scope of a show as well. You know?
0: and want to clarify for anybody who's not clear about exactly what we're talking about. So there's technically two kinds of television, episodic television and then story arc television. Those might not be the mm-hmm. technical terms TV people use, those are terms I use. Episodic episodic TV shows are law and order. A story starts at the beginning and by the end of the the hour it's over. Yep. Story arc, sometimes the whole a season, sometimes the whole show. Think mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. The difference here is episodic television, you can turn it on and generally just watch an episode. Game of Thrones, you don't really want to turn on a Game of Thrones and go, you know what? I've never seen this show before. Let's start with season four, episode one. Yeah, can't do it. <laughs> I mean, you could, but I mean... You have no fucking idea what's going on. You have no, like, getting, idea on, ball, yeah, but, yeah. no idea what's going on. <laughs> no concept. You you would be so lost. And, and both are good. You know, for some stories can only be told one way, some can only be told the other, but... sure. Story arc television has been very much in vogue and episodic TV is looked at as silly, but I don't think it is, you know, like we look at some of the shows. Yeah. If you go back to like the eighties and stuff like that, of course it looks silly. Number one, people are still trying trying to figure out how television was different than stage acting to -hmm. some degree. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and you look at like something like the golden girls, or you watch the first episode of cheers is a great example. It is kind of set up like a play. It has the pace of a play. There's still a dramaticism to it in the way that it's written because they're still trying to figure television out. So, of course, Mm -hmm. when you go back and look at episodic television, you're going to see an inherent cheesiness to it. But if you look at other shows later where they start transitioning, like I think that Homicide Life on the Street, my favorite show of all time, is a great example of having story arcs but being an episodic television show most of the time. Sometimes they had episodes that would go a little bit, you know, sometimes it takes three times, for, three episodes for a storyline to complete, but then you'd have like five episodes that were complete at the end of the hour. And that was the first show that introduced me to the idea of history that someone who couldn't solve a case in season one was still, it was, that case was still being referenced six years later. So I think there's a middle ground there too. There's an artfulness to episodic television. If there's
1: anybody who has been a longtime listener of all of our podcasts that has started a drinking game, Anytime you bring up homicide, life on the streets, everybody's got a drink.
0: <laughs> I think if they really want to get hammered, they should really take a drink. Th-
1: it's oh my, God, it's like once every three episodes. I ki- I kind of wait for it. If I'm being honest with you, I'm like, how long is it going to take them for him to bring- <laughs> How long is it going to take Chad to bring that show into this <laughs> into this episode or version of the show? Uh, it's awesome.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that there's there's still the full. Artfulness of episodic television has yet to be explored, and I would like to see that because there is a certain satisfaction that maybe we need right now to be able to watch something and feel mm-hmm. that it's solved in forty-five minutes or an hour.
3: Oh,
1: I completely agree with that. I, I so I, I I there are no words that I can use to express how much I agree with that. In the sense that, like, I feel like our our very survival, I feel like, depends on it.
0: And I don't, and I'm not saying that these things have to be happy endings, but why was Law and Order on at the time? It was the longest running television drama of all time. Why? Why was it that successful? Some of it was actually the formula of the episodic television. Mm -hmm. You could turn on TNT. It's still on TNT today in reruns 20 years later. Oh man, really? Yeah. They have that contract forever, but you can turn that on and watch an episode of Law and Order. You know, you'll figure it out like, oh, it's Curtis and, and Briscoe. Okay, this is like fourth or fifth season. You might know that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. But you could watch that and then it's going to go through the episode. And at the end, you're going to find out whether the person gets off or they go to prison and then dun dong, and the episode's over. <sighs> whether it's a happy ending or not, there's still a release because it's like story complete. And I missed that. Did you see the huge backlash?
1: That show on Amazon, the boys got because they were releasing one episode at a time.
0: No, but I love, I love anybody that does something that nobody else is doing, at least in the arts, maybe not so much. But this, this, but
1: but this definitely speaks to something that we're talking about, which is, you know, because that show didn't really have a resolve from episode to episode, people just needed that sense of conclusion to feel okay. You know what I mean?
0: Now Um, they do. But when you go back to when we were watching all watching true detective season one together, mm -hmm. that week delay between the episodes back then was really Mm -hmm. healthy because it it Mm -hmm. created theorizing. And we had so many discussions about how many times we would be down at that studio that Matt, our friends, Matt and Brandon had that studio downtown. How many times Mm -hmm. we'd be out in front of that building talking about true detective. Well, what do you think about this guy? Oh man. Yeah, it was crazy. (laughs) But that (laughs) was a different, that that was a different world. Sure. So it definitely, it's a context thing too. So I think now is a really good time for us to invest in episodic television. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if anyone's actually actively doing that. I don't know. To be honest, you know who the masters of episodic television are? The British. Mm. Yeah, true. And one of the reasons, the reasons that the BBC in particular is so good at episodic television is because unlike us, who we typically set our shows to 45 minutes because we still think we're on broadcast television, Mm -hmm. and we make for 15 minutes, and we aim for a specific hour, so 45-minute episodes, it's ridiculous. Like You can make a TV show whatever length you want when it's streaming. Who cares? It's Mm -hmm. streaming. Yeah, true. Yeah, Yeah. But the British TV shows, the way advertising worked on the BBC is it didn't. It's public television.
2: They don't have ads. Yeah, sure.
0: So their episodes would be an hour and 30 minutes. The difference in that episodic television in that approximately, we'll see 40 minutes between an hour and 30. Was that a 90 minute difference? We're drinking beer. We're not doing math here.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, man, you are asking a lot. If you think I'm going to do math right now, I mean, I I honestly have no idea if that's correct or not. I'm agreeing with you because I'm halfway through this beer, and I don't drink much either. And I'm getting a little a little buzzy.
0: <laughs> well, actually, so yeah, sure, why not? That's fine. I, I did the I did the math while you were saying that. I I, I said that wrong. There is a ninety minutes is an hour and a half. So it's yes, 60, sixty minutes plus thirty, so forty minutes. Between so it's a it's a fifty minute difference. So technically, a British television show is twice as long as an American television show, Mm. on average. Not all British shows are an hour and a half, but you know, like uh, Midsummer Murders, Sherlock, Silent Witness, all of these crime shows, Luther, all an hour and a half episodes. Mm -hmm. What you can accomplish in that time in an episode in an episodic format is double what you can accomplish in an American one. So what feels rushed in an American one. Because you have to get it done in 40 minutes, you can spread out in a British one. That's why they're the masters of episodic television, because they give it time to develop. A-
1: am I right in remembering that um, Sherlock was also much longer as well?
0: Am I but right? Sherlock was on
1: the list I just said. Oh, okay. Sorry, I yeah. missed that.
0: Okay. Okay, it was the beer damn it yeah, That's the beauty of bringing beer into the format so we can wow. buy anything on the beer
1: this is pure magic i mean i plus like not only that but i'm drinking i'm I'm drinking this beer faster than i probably would normally too,
0: as well so there's that <laughs> yeah i'm almost done. That's all, yeah it's all kinds of awesome man it's great i didn't think we'd be talking about television but you know what? let's 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 go on a little we'll stick with the television here i have a question for you mm. Why isn't anybody doing what I just said a few minutes ago and making the, each episode individually different in length? You know, let the story dictate the length. There are a few shows that do that. Um, really? Unfortunately,
1: there are some shows that are not great that do that. Like the the boys, no, um, you know, that, that's not an example of a bad show. That's an example of a fantastic show that does that. They kind of, the lengths change a little bit from show from episode to episode. And this last episode for the second season is actually like an hour and 20 minutes. Mm. So they took their time and told the story that they needed to tell. Um, Game of Thrones did that in the last season too as well. That's an example of a show that didn't do it well, but still did it. Um, but I feel like some of the streaming services are now really starting to, to, to realize like, hey, why? why are we sticking to a time right. frame? Like that makes no sense. Like with
0: podcasts, that's the one thing when I hear people interviewed... Or actually, not even interviewed. When they're talking one on one, like you know, it's like the same two hosts every week, mm-hmm. and they go, "Well, we're coming up on our hour. Whose clock are you on? Yeah, who, who <laughs> the hell? Why
1: do you care? Yeah, you are
0: not on radio. They're not going to kick you off or your time slot. Keep going. Sure. If, if yeah, you're yeah. if you're hot, keep going. Yeah, you're not stuck in a studio where like you're paying rent and they're going to kick you out. Who yeah. cares? And I think that with television, that could be so interesting. Where you know, sometimes you might have. I think about Doctor Who, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe she goes off to a planet and just do a few things, and you know what? In twenty minutes, the story's done. It's just a short little story. Okay, you get a twenty-minute episode next week. Maybe it's an hour and forty minutes because it's an epic battle she has to go through. Yeah, or she has to go back in time and like unravel something, or you know, yeah, yeah. give
1: it give it the time it needs to to tell the story properly. Sure.
0: And how fascinating because the thing is, I don't know a lot about how they measure success with streaming shows. But I think if you're going to do something similar to like what YouTube does, it's time watch that matters, not starts. You know, mm-hmm. you're not counting how many people started this episode because, you know, like uh, 50,000 people started, but only 20,000 finish it. Your show's kind of shitty.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: YouTube figured that out. So it's actually, you want to measure the time someone's watching. So if that's really what you're going to measure, the length of time someone's watching you don't need to take these long epic stories and break them up into like three episodes, you can mm-hmm. just put them all together, because it sure. equals the same amount of time. I think that could it's, be really interesting, and it really breathes some life into the, because we went through what people were calling the Golden Age of television. I still don't think it was the Golden Age of television. I just think that people were starting to figure out that the, the, the format could be serious. But I think if you really want to get into a golden age of television you can't even call it television anymore, a golden Age of, of video programming then you have to really like start playing with those concepts and letting the show and the story and the creators dictate things, not the producers and the bean counters. Mm -hmm. That's when shows are the best, you know, theoretically breaking bad should have been a failure. It was about someone going bad and someone that you over time liked less and less. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it worked game of Thrones. Shouldn't work. Oh, you really like that main character. He's dead. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that shouldn't have worked. Do <laughs> you imagine if you were watching Cheers and you're like, Sam Malone,
1: ah, he's dead. Not only that, but he dies like quickly and unceremoniously too.
0: I mean, actually, speaking of Cheers, Cheers did have to go through that, but for real reasons. Coach mm-hmm. died.
1: Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He was the
0: played the coach. He actually died. That's right. But I know, liked that,
1: Coach too. I really liked Coach.
0: That first season of Cheers is perfect. Oh,
1: it's Literally so perfect. good.
0: It's It's... I've been I've recently been rewatching it. I'm three three or four episodes in. I think I'm I just watched the fourth episode, and four episodes in, you are already enamored with the show.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. No,
0: I don't know any modern shows that pull you in that fast. And I don't think it was anything that anybody did purposely. Right? It was just perfect chemistry, of the right cast with the right scripts at the right time. What's great about those first episodes too is I don't know how well you remember them. But over time, you know, like when Norm would come in, everybody would go, hey, Norm. When it started, Nicholas Colasanto, coach, used to scream his name. So he'd come in really? and go, like,
2: Norm!
0: Oh, I don't remember that. And because of that, that first season, Cheers actually felt like a bar. Like a real where, bar. Where the heck is
1: that streaming now? Is it streaming anywhere?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm watching it. So Peacock or Amazon? I can't remember. Hmm. One of those two. I don't pay for anything right now. Got I Got it. That's that's another thing about television. This is a whole topic on television, apparently. But one of the things about television, and it probably has something to do with episodic television and so forth, um, I lost the thread. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so Um, unprofessional.
1: Oh, the beer makes this so Uh, much better. I remember now.
0: Okay.
3: (laughs) And we're back.
0: But yeah, I've, Uh. I've decided that because so much television wants so much from me that Mm -hmm. I would just start watching kind of whatever was on that was free. And you know what I've realized over time in the long run, the difference between a shitty show and a really great show is not really that much of a difference on how much I'm entertained. Huh. I can watch a show that's pretty bad and not really enjoy it, but at the same time, like not stop watching it. I know I've been watching Sequest, and Sequest is one of the worst shows ever made. I'm slightly surprised by that, actually, because I think
1: I feel like my expectations are like, man, maybe that's just because of all the how serious TV has been and how much I bought into that for so long. But I feel like my expectations of shows are like extremely high now and shows that I would have liked a lot more like 20 years ago. I don't like nearly as much because I have like, and, and for me, it's it's almost entirely visual um, and not necessarily the storytelling. Like I'm just a sucker for fantastic cinematography. And so, yeah, I get, I get locked into that. Like even shows like Supergirl that I feel like I would have really
0: liked that like 15 years ago. And now I just kind of like it. I think that, well, I don't want to go off on a tangent about Supergirl, but the first season of that show was the best, period. Um, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Back when it was actually meant to be a strong feminist statement and not just like a hokey TV show. But anyways, mm-hmm. the, the thing about that I've realized is most of the time that I watch television, this and I'm not saying this is for everybody, this is specifically me. Most of the time I watch television, it's generally just to relax and kill time. I'm not actually looking to be drawn into a story. I'm okay if it happens, but I don't really care that much. That's probably why I spent so many times over the years re-watching reruns, or it's not really reruns because I'm watching in the streaming, of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. I've seen each of those episodes probably 20 times, but it doesn't matter. It's entertaining enough for me. It Mm. fills that gap for me. Yeah. So... What I discovered is something, I don't know, did I tell you about Tubi TV, T-U-B-I? No, what the heck is that? So, oh no, not Tubi, sorry. That's another one. This Pluto TV, I did tell you about Pluto.
1: Yeah, you did tell me about Pluto, I
0: remember that. So Pluto TV has, for people listening, Pluto TV has, a, has essentially its set up. It's almost like it's a streaming app that you open it up and it's like a cable box. In the sense that when you open it up, You don't go into and go. I want to watch this movie. Please push play. There are channels and things are playing all the time. It's like Mm -hmm. live TV. It has commercials, everything. It's literally live TV for free.
3: Uh, And
0: what's interesting about the way they do it is they have certain channels that are like mixtures, you know, like classic TV or '80s, and they only play shows from the '80s. But then they have some channels which are literally one show that plays for 24 hours a day. And the one that I've been watching recently is Three's Company. Mm -hmm. Number one, because when I watched Three's Company when I was a kid, I didn't get all the sex jokes because I was a kid. The show is, and now that I've been watching it, the show is literally just one half hour sexual innuendo.
1: Yeah, of course. Every second of that show is innuendo.
0: So I've been watching it and it's it's that beauty of episodic television. I don't care. Like, is this a Roper episode or is this a Furley episode? I don't care. Mm -hmm. Just watch it. And it's on 24 hours a day. I put it on. And I don't have to make any more decisions. It's running. I get up to go to the bathroom. I could wait for a commercial or I could pee while the show's on. Who cares? It's not going to pause yeah. for me. And there's something nice about that. It's, some, it's, it's not only that TV shows want too much for me emotionally. Sometimes they, I feel like they want too much for me, like dedicating my time to them. Attention. Yeah. It's like, are you keeping track of the storyline? You remember where this character, what this person did in season two? Because if you didn't pay attention to that, when that happened in season two, and what's happening right now in season six is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. I don't care anymore. But you see, that's, I feel like I had the, I feel like I'm getting there, but I feel like I had the
1: opposite reaction. Like I really like paying attention.
0: I do too, when I choose to, but I don't want to do it every day.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess it it all comes down to choice. Yeah. I feel like the reason why I don't give a shit about TV right now is because it doesn't give me a choice. I I either I either care or I can't watch just because I am gonna miss something because my brain is just not my brain doesn't have the capacity to handle yet another thing at this point.
0: <laughs> well I my favorite TV time is when I'm laying down, I'm relaxing, I'm watching something, but I'm only like half watching. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something else. Maybe I'm playing a game out of my iPad, maybe I'm flipping through Twitter on my iPad maybe I'm coming up with an idea for an episode of one of my shows, you know, one of my podcasts, that's my favorite time because I feel like I'm just, it, nothing is making me do anything at that moment. If mm-hmm. I, you know, I look up, I go, what just happened? And I rewind. I'm okay with that. That's, what's really cool about some things being able to rewind. But when I watched, you know, like a uh, three's company, I was saying, I missed something. I missed it. Damn. Wonder what that joke was, and there's there is something cool about that sense of wonder too. Yeah. Okay. Well, where are we on this? Where Where the hell are we? Uh, an Hour or something I guess. Yeah. We're Gotta about be. an hour. I guess we could. Let's Let's reiterate. Let's go back to where we started with this. What are your thoughts as we're going into this? Right now, after going through an hour of this, we came into this. How are you feeling? What do you think about where we're going? Let's just let's bring it all full circle, Lamb. It feels
1: like we didn't have enough time, and that's the way I always want to feel. Because the, because there are episodes that we've done with brainstorms, even where I felt like like it was just a lot. It was exhausting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is just two conversations, or uh, two conversations. This is a conversation between slightly buzzed friends. <laughs> um, not only that, but now I, I feel like I can contribute a lot more. Yeah, because I can. I can contribute the things that just happened to me throughout the course of the week that I just wanted to talk to you about anyway.
0: Right. Really, I mean, the show is a lot of things, but really it's you and me. That's what this show always was. Mm -hmm. Even when you you weren't on the show, there was always like a lingering ghost of you. You were always brought up in conversations in the episodes when you weren't on the show. So, I mean, there's a reason that, I think in some way, a reason that if we go into our joke way that we refer to this show, it's Lambdom chatassery. There's a reason that works. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've told you that many times. You just... Have, you, it have a, you? Have, a have a you? you told me that Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> yes. maybe. I know well, specifically <laughs> I told you in Starbucks in your car one time.
1: Yes, so so here's so here's an interesting phenomenon um, that you will discover as I'm drinking with you more on these shows, um, is that the first thing to go is my long term memory. I mean, after the beer wears off, my long term memory returns to what it was, but there are gap like my memory is not great. My ability to recall, I don't don't know why that is specifically with beer, and it only happens with beer, not hard alcohol, just beer.
0: I think the beer is conducive to us not being too rigid with the show, so. Um, I, this is a good time to switch over to the other part. You can go over to Instagram and follow The Vacant Room. That's Lamb's Instagram. Yeah. You can follow what he's what's he, what he what's he's got going on. What's what's he's got? What the hell? What's, words he's, are got? what's he's got? You can follow what's he's what he's got. What's
1: he's got. Yeah.
0: You can follow what <laughs> he has got
1: going on. What he has got. I'm not sure if that's much better. What he has got. <laughs> why don't you just say, to see what's going on in Lamb's life. Just go to the vacant room
2: on Instagram.
0: Let's, yeah, let's, let only there. worked it's, when you yeah. said it about yourself in the third person, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as the real chat hall. Do you, are you using your Twitter? Be um, your Twitter? Not really. I mean, I'm managing
1: so many other Twitter accounts that I've just abandoned my own. I just okay. don't have time to, to navigate between four different Twitter accounts.
0: Um, I also have a newsletter, which is where we stole some of these formats. I've, Fixed those holes. Now I've introduced a, a, an interesting concept over there that I'm going to try out called a this or that poll. Every week there's a different poll and it's just going to be two things and you pick this or that. This week it's, uh, I haven't even sent this out yet, but it's going to be Alf or ET. Alf by far. You're supposed to reply on the email, ma'am. Uh, whatever. And you geez. are. You're on that mailing list, by the way. Not that you've ever opened one. <laughs>
1: I've opened I opened one I think eight months ago. Dude, the number it didn't the exist number eight
0: months ago. <laughs> Wait, then what the hell was I getting from you eight months ago? I don't know, porn. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, um, does anybody send porn by, by email anymore? I don't oh, know. Oh, I'm sure that. they do. Dubious. Wait, which which email address? I mean, I'm sure we can talk about this off, I'm, offline. We'll yeah, talk about this afterwards unless you want me to blast your personal email. Yeah, let's, address. let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, if you are still sticking around through all of this sloppiness, um, I have something called a Kofi account. Kofi account is a way to support the show. I have one of these. It's a personal one. If you follow my other stuff, I want you to understand that there are two accounts. I have a personal one. And then there's one that's just for the show. And it's ko-fi.com. That's Kofi forward slash random badass. All one word. You can go over there and it's going to tell you would you want to support the show? Do you want to buy us a coffee? Just pretend that says a beer. If you want to buy us a beer for the next episode, stop in. Give us a little support. Give us a little, ner- ner- nerge? A little nudge of encouragement to at least work on our articulations. I can
1: A, a nudge ner- of encudgelment. <laughs> None of those words count. A nudge of encudgelment. I'm just going to hold on to that one for a
0: little bit. This is, this is, I can't imagine this episode <laughs> have gone any sloppier. I hey, by the way, and by, by the way and this is, I don't, I can't blame the beer for all of can this. Can you,
1: for the love of God, tell us what your other podcasts are, all of them?
0: All right. If, if you think that there's anyone still listening.
1: <laughs> I doubt it, but might as well.
0: I have further questions, which technically, the further questions is using the feed that this was originally, that Random Badassery was originally on. So there's probably some really old Random Badassery listeners over there. But that's my true crime podcast. I focus mostly on the unsolved... And the missing. And it's kind of more like hardcore history, Dan Carlin's hardcore history, in the sense that it's not a weekly show. It doesn't even have a regular schedule. I literally go and I research a case. And when I feel like I have enough knowledge on that case, then I release an episode. I feel like that's the right way to do that topic because there's so much false information out there that people fall into the pit of that. Actually, the most recent episode I did of that show was a bonus episode. About that exactly, about how hard it is to do true crime research and do it justice. And mm-hmm. brainstorms, the show that we've been mentioning multiple times on here. I have yet to release a solo episode. I will in the next few days, probably when I figure out what it's going to be on. But that show focuses mostly on note taking, minimalism, productivity, getting to like the nitty gritty of how, like, that. What is what are the actual steps that you use to manage this? It's kind of like the, the nerdier, nerdier version of me. And if you've actually listened to the show previously in the past, some of those tendencies you've seen many times before. And then my last show is semi-literate. And that's my book club show. I talk about the books that I've finished reading. It's, uh, I call it the book club for people who hate book clubs because most book clubs out there and most book lists out there focus on young adult or business books. And I'm not saying I would never cover either of those two, but there's a huge, huge gap of, of genres that are not covered in those two that nobody's really doing much with. So I focus in that area more. Mm-hmm. So those are my three shows. Um, anything you want to plug while you're here, Lamb? I'm I'm not going to get political but I'm going to yeah I'm not going
1: to get political but I'm going to say something slightly political uh which is go and vote because it's the least you can do and um even though I don't think it's even close to like enough Um, you can get involved in so many ways that don't require money. I hate the excuses people put on that kind of stuff. Um, I don't care what side you support. I don't care which candidate you support. Our democracy survives when people participate and participation is what it's all about. So get your ass off your couch and go do something. Vote. Voting is the least you can do. So if that, if you think that's enough, then you're already part of the problem.
0: And while we don't ever plan on getting political on the show, I will say this. If you're going to vote for the orange super spreader, you probably won't enjoy the show. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> none of us <laughs> are going to be able to do anything against yeah. an armed re- in an armed resistance that's ridiculous sure that argument is completely it's just perpetuated by people like the NRA that are worried about whatever they're worried about but that argument it doesn't exist you can make other arguments that's fine you know but you that want your guns is, to hunt yeah. that's mm-hmm. a that's a valid argument sure uh, maybe not with an M16 yeah. but the fact that it's to protect ourselves from the government that argument is Completely dumb. Yeah. Because it, you can't do that. The argument that we should be worried about right now is the exact one that Apple's making. Our gun control argument is our security argument. Mm-hmm. What people do with our information, how they secure our information, how our information is safe from our own government, who can be oppressive at one point. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Sure. That is our gun argument now. We need to protect the security. Of our information, sure, without a doubt, because if we don't, then all those fears that people had about the government take you know, becoming a dictatorship—you mm-hmm. can do that with information now. You sure, don't, you don't need guns to to control the populace. You need pressure points. Mm-hmm. Hey, I know what porn sites you went to. Sure, all that kind of crazy shit that you know people are afraid that you know you, you can—they can even perpetuate lies from information that they have. Mm-hmm. Um. All of that is far more pressure than a machine gun.
1: You know, what's funny is I I, I, I know this is kind of a, 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 a weird metaphor for it, but I, I go back to part of our previous conversation, which is, you know, one of the movies that I always think about when it comes to this kind of stuff is um, a Fincher movie called The Game, which right. I actually think is one of the most brilliant movies he's ever made. I love it. But I think of the first half hour of that movie um, where the company that is creating the game is literally delving through michael douglas's life and pulling all of these pressure points pulling all of these physical and emotional pressure points both from his past and his present that have made his his future a certain predictable path that was going to make him his father the crazy thing is how much they were able to do with that information right you know and then i think about what you're saying now and i think about okay if the fbi really wanted to mess with my life if they just hacked my phone, they could steer my course of action for the next 10 years of my life without me knowing it. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah, I mean, in an age of information, the guy who holds the keys to the information is king. So, you know, if we give... the the fbi the keys to the kingdom that essentially gives the fbi an open window into everything that we are as people because we live on these devices right you know there's nothing that we don't do like for for me or for you in that sense like almost
0: everything i do involves my phone in some way I i need the devices to work we're recording this podcast on our phones right you know and you know the thing that that kind of maybe makes me chuckle a little bit is the same people that are willing to sacrifice their security in this case, you know, that they support the FBI over Apple in this, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: are the same people that a few years ago were complaining about things on Facebook and the security of their, you know, and the privacy on Facebook.
1: No, I think it's just because people don't have a scope, an understanding of scope, you know what I mean? And I think that that most of these things, even the gun gun debate, for example, is a lot of knee-jerk stupidity. Um, the arguments that are made are not the right arguments. Right. You know what I mean. And, and I like think I said, yeah, there's there's better arguments sure, to make than of that. Of course one. there are. Like it's not about being able to take on your government, or even about the, the you know when we're talking about the age of information, for example, it's not about specifically finding terrorists. That's not what the FBI is going to do with that 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 skeleton key. Right. It's not about looking for the needle in the haystack. It's about looking at the haystack. And exactly. I think that that's where people are starting to misunderstand is that, you know, a guy at the FBI is not just going to be looking at, at anyone of, of uh, Arabic descent, for example. They're going to look at everyone.
0: Right. It's, it's like the whole argument with the, I guess we're just going to make this a political section of the show, <laughs> but the whole argument about freedom uh, of religion, mm-hmm. you know, church, separation of church and state.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: People complain about how, how rigid those rules are. Yeah. But what they don't realize is the reason that we have that separation between church and state is to stop the government from oppressing all of us. Mm-hmm. So, yes, if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. you're worried that, you know, they you can't practice these certain things, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you're worried that somebody that's in government doesn't share your religion. Sure. Well, if you aren't willing to protect other people's freedoms, if you're if you're willing to allow them to oppress, you know, Muslims mm-hmm. or Buddhists mm-hmm. or Hindus,
2: mm-hmm.
0: what's to stop a Buddhist, a Muslim, or a Hindu from getting into Congress, Senate, or whatever, and turning that same thing that you broke down against you? Sure. So at, at its core, the free the separation of church and state is Based and selfishness. Sure. Protecting yourself. Well, And any- I think that's your point, is that we've been framed, all these arguments have been framed wrong for yeah, us. Yes, agreed. And I'm, I'm not making a point for any legislation here mm-hmm. just to do exactly what you're saying. See the real arguments. Yeah, ask the right questions. See the real framework and understand
1: once and for all how broad the scope is of a particular decision. You know what I mean? Um, Like you're right, like the whole sacred and secular thing, the 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 separation of church and state. Like there's a certain there's a certain historical perspective that that needs to be lent to the overall conversation that tells people very clearly throughout human history that the combination of church and state has never ever worked out well. Right, You know what I mean? Never in the history of mankind with any civilization or society that we have ever had, whether it's the Romans or the Turks or the Russians or or, or the French or the Spanish, you name it, every civilization in human history has never, ever been able to pull off the com- the combining of church and state in such a way that made it so that they could live in harmony And the reason why is because the moment you allow a political structure the ability to operate under religious guise They are now allowed to make arbitrary decisions Right And they're allowed to make laws without consent of the people
0: Like that's for example, problematic when, when you go back to um, people like are kind of baffled I think um, From lack of understanding about how the Salem witch trials happened Yeah what people don't realize is at the time of the Salem witch trials, hearsay, mm-hmm. particularly um, the evidence of dreams, were acceptable in the courtroom. They're not anymore because we're protected <laughs> against those. But at the time, <laughs> the reason that the Salem witch trials, well, the reason that they were able to do this is because these girls over here could say, I had a dream that she was a witch. And that was acceptable testimony in court. Uh. And that was evidence against some of these people. And these are the reasons that we have to protect ourselves against our government. Mm -hmm. Because the government is going to inch into any area it can because the people that are in government, they know more information than than we do. They know about terrible things that are threatening our country. Mm -hmm. And they believe that by... The more things that they control, the more things that they get their fingers in, the more things that they can hold in the grasp of their hand, the more secure and the safer they're going to make it. Sure. But that's, I don't think that's true. I go back to Benjamin Franklin. Those who are willing to sacrifice their freedoms mm-hmm. for the illusion of security deserve neither. Yeah. And the most important part of that is the illusion of mm-hmm. security. Sure. Because even in the most uh, oppressive states like North Korea, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: there's no safety. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Somebody can still attack them. Sure. And I just, I I feel like what we're seeing right now is we're seeing that line being drawn. Sure. What kind of country are we going to be? Are we going to be a 1984 scenario? Mm -hmm. Or are we going to be what we said we always were? Yeah, And it's a a crisis of identity right now, and I think at the core of what's going to happen here is we're going to define our identity, not just through presidential elections. I actually think even though they're the two top candidates, both sides, I don't like Hillary and I don't like Trump. Mm -hmm. I will say that clear.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't like either of them, and it frightens me that either of them lead our country. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: But I think that that is less important than what's going on with Apple and the FBI right now. I agree. I believe that that is the most important thing that is happening in America right now.
1: Well, because it's a clearer barometer of where society is. You know, and I think that I, I had this conversation with a number of friends over the last three or four years, which is, you know, we're finally at a point in our history as a country where the growing pains are done. We're out of our teenage years. You know, we're building we're building what our, our historical legacy is going to be as a country and And, sure, we've had a lot of really bright flashes in the pan up until now, but we all have to remember that the United States, for all of its for all of its achievements, is only two hundred and fifty years old. And so, in the grander scope of countries um, as a sovereignty, we're really, really young, right? So we haven't decided who we really are yet. And I think that we're at the precipice of that. I think we're at the point where we really do have to choose. and decisions like the FBI versus Apple thing, draw a very clear line as to what direction we want to go in. Right. You know, whether or not we're going to allow our political state um, to to control us as a people um, or to have a certain level of access or information that we are allowing them. And that I think that's the biggest thing that we forget as, as a country is that we're allowing that. Right. They're not going in and taking it. We're allowing that. Right. So if we are supporting the FBI's call for Apple to create the skeleton key, we are allowing the government to have that level of access to right. our information. And what they to say there's like
0: 13 other cases in backlog. Mm-hmm. So the moment that goes through, they're going to push next through. One. Sure. Thanks for the precedent. Now we yeah. can push all these through. Absolutely. And I don't want to go on this tangent too long, <laughs> but at its core, the most important thing, regardless of anything that I've said or you have said Mm
3: -hmm.
0: the most important thing of this whole discussion is educate yourself. Yeah. Learn about what's really going on. Read all the sides of it. Make your own decision. Don't have to agree with me. Don't have to agree with you. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say to all the listeners. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. And learn. Yeah. And make a decision on your own. But don't trust what these people are saying on television and stuff because Their job is to entertain you. Sure. The news is entertainment. Sure. Its job is to get you to come back. Yeah. And it's just like the newspapers with sensational titles. It's to make you read the article. Sure. Doesn't mean that there's not some truth in some of that they say, but that is not their goal. Their goal is not to provide you truth. Mm -hmm. Their goal is to entertain you.
1: Well, their goal is to get as many eyeballs as they can so they can charge advertisers more money. Right. And so they're a revenue stream. So, so they, their, their, their interest is to create an environment in which people will tune in again and again and again and again so that they can prove to their advertisers that they have a certain, you know, a certain consistent viewership. We have four and a half million people at Tuesday at eight o'clock. So that slot of time is worth $150,000 for every 30 seconds. That's exactly what's happening. And there's nothing wrong with that. We just have to understand that that's what that is. There's no difference between CNN and American Idol to me.
0: No, You know what I mean? absolutely not. And I think that that's one of the things that we're seeing right now, which is kind of cool, is that the internet is changing that. And I think that's why a lot of there's a, a lot of um, people trying to restrict the internet and open. You know, all these you know all the internet security things that we've gone through. Um, I can't even remember that. You know, they've done that bill where they're trying to open. The, change the way that the internet works in like five or seven different names. They just Ugh. keep changing the name yeah. and trying to push it through and trying sure. to push it through. Sure. But what we're seeing is we're seeing the proliferation of different ideas being accessible to other people. Sure. We don't have to watch network news anymore because we can watch this guy on mm-hmm. YouTube. Sure. Telling his opinion. Our podcast is given an opinion. Mm-hmm. There's so many other opinions, you know, there's, People who are just you, different news networks even. Sure. I mean, look what Vice became. <clears throat> Vice is now like a traditional media company. But when they started, they were just an internet. Yeah. An internet company. And and we're even seeing that to steer away from our political tirade. We're even seeing that with television. Sure. Um, going back to the revenue stream, they don't have to worry about, you know, Amazon, Netflix. These guys, they don't have to worry about the revenue streams the same way that TV do. Mm-hmm. Um it doesn't mean they don't have to worry about it, but not in the same way. Because they can nail niche audiences mm-hmm. in in a way that network television never could. For example, I just heard this yesterday. Amazon is bringing back the tick. Huh. No way. That's brilliant. Not Warburton as the tick, yeah. obviously, because he's on something, a uh, TV show Closer or something. I guess yeah, yeah, C yeah. Or something uh-huh. like that. Um, but... They're bringing back the Tick. That's a very niche audience, right there. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Were you a fan? Oh yeah, of course. I read the comic books too. Did you? So cartoon, mm-hmm. TV show, the live action show was just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody that doesn't know what the Tick is, just look it up.
1: It was very Max Headroomy and it's in its sensibility. <laughs> it's 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 very camp and very super camp. Do you, oh, you know what that reminds me of? Do You remember Sledgehammer? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sledgehammer was genius. I loved that
0: show so much. (laughs)
2: What's
0: funny is I've I've realized, like, going back and watching, like, 80s TV shows, thanks to, like, Hulu, Mm -hmm. who has, like, pretty much Sledgehammer's on there. Oh, genius. Going back and watching these things, there's two things I realized. Number one, like, up until, like, the late 90s, nobody took television seriously. Sure. When you look at the sets on anything, you look at the scripts, all this stuff, and it's because it, you know, it's still it was still tied to theater, yeah, a yeah. lot, a lot more tied to theater. Um, like the first episode of Cheers, if you watch the pilot of Cheers, it looks like a play. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. It's
0: uh, the way they talk, the way it's filmed, it's a play. Uh, but the other thing I realized is, I thought these things went on way longer than they did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: These shows that you, you know, people the same age as you and I, we remember these things as like they were huge, mm-hmm. like Twin Peaks. Two seasons. Oh, really? That was it. Wow. Two seasons. Why does it feel like it was longer? Right? So you go back and you look at these things, you go, oh, yeah, that. And they go, that was on for one year.
2: <clears throat> huh,
0: really? That was on? I mean, like, obviously, like, Miami Vice was on for a very long time. Sure, sure. sure. The Simpsons. Um, I mean. But you look at, like, an like A-team. That was, like, only five seasons. Wow, that's nothing. Crazy. I mean, it's like standard now that things go at least like ten seasons. Sure, sure, sure. But the brilliant ones don't go that long, right? Like, I mean,
1: if you look at the best ones, like Breaking Bad, Firefly. Uh, uh, yeah, Firefly. Well, Firefly is a different story though, because Firefly should have gone longer.
0: Oh yeah, you know, I'm Firefly. Nobody tried to bring that back. Yeah, I mean,
1: although that's probably happening. Nathan Finian's probably really young with, castle. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, I mean, I'm sure. Um, Dude, what's... It? Joss Whedon is busy doing yeah. things Although like Avengers. Although now he's not doing Avengers ago. stuff,
0: he can finally start doing Joss Whedon stuff again.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's funny that you say that. Like, I mean, there are certain shows that... that, that the best shows that I I, I I love these days are the shows that have arcs that don't compromise those arcs. Like Breaking Bad's a good example of right. that. Um, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, the new one, I thought I never was saw that very... One. Oh, you have to see it. It's I know. It's really, really
0: good. On the queue, and then
1: there's there are a couple out there. Like there's a show that I will take to my grave as one of the best shows made in the last thirty years, Hannibal. Everybody I haven't watched needs it. You told to me see about this. Hannibal. That that show is one of the most brilliant shows I've ever watched. Wow! Uh, from an aesthetic and and directorial perspective, it is one of the most well crafted, most character driven shows I've ever seen. It's it's just amazing. So if you haven't seen Hannibal, you need to see it. But here's the problem, because it was so weirdly cerebral in its in in its sensibilities. It's getting canned after its third season. And not because it's a bad show, but because people have a hard time watching it. So I have a feeling that it's gonna be like Veronica Mars in, in four Netflix years. Netflix will pick you it know? up. Yeah Netflix is gonna eventually pick it up because it's too good a show. Um, with such an amazing
0: cast, isn't like, that a beautiful thing to know that there's yeah, a place to pick yeah, these exactly. things up now? Yeah, that that Netflix is gonna go. All right, it's worth it. Imagine if they more. had that back in the day when Freaks and Geeks went off the air. Sure, sure, sure. Because or even ex- we all want to know what uh-huh. happened after that summer. Of course, anybody that watched that show, what happened to Lindsay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, even your example of Firefly. Yeah, dude. Like, I'm shocked that actually, hasn't been I, made I'm yet. bummed. I watched that movie, and the movie kind of bummed me Serenity, out. Serenity, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not great. It didn't. It didn't go the way that I wanted it to mm-hmm. because it was less
1: awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, it was attempting to tie together too many loose ends, and on top yeah. of that, trying to to close things out. Close things out, and that's that's a story. It's a Wild West story. You don't want your Wild West stories to end. You know, right. there's no sunset. There's just the, the continuing adventure. It's an adventure yeah, book. They just keep writing. Yeah, and that's and that's what was brilliant about Firefly when it was around is that every. Every every show had an essence to it that was that was continuous. Like it just felt like you were jumping into the middle of their lives. Right. You know what I mean? And there was no sense of beginning of a story or end of a story. And I They're love just that. these people. It's great. Like
0: one of my favorite things uh, a television show can do is to have a memory. Sure. Oh, I, love I that. hate when shows don't have memories. You know, sitcoms are different. Yeah. Because who really cares if, you know, the Golden Girls remember what they said the week before. Yes, I sure. love the Golden Girls. Um, but when you're watching Other things, that memory is of utmost importance. Talking about favorite television shows Mm -hmm. and one of the most brilliant shows that was ever made was one of the first shows I ever saw that had a memory was Homicide Life on the Street. Oh, yeah. David Simon, (laughs) Barry Levinson. Yeah. Brilliant show. The first episode. I I feel like I've been waiting decades to talk about this in a forum (laughs) where people will hear this. Good luck finding it. I don't think it's on iTunes. I bit tormented it. Um, <laughs> not back in the day, but now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first episode, they have a rookie joining the Homicide Squad. And I think it's the second episode, he gets his first case. His first case is a murdered child.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the vernacular of all the cops is that you never forget your your, your first, first case, kid. Sure. Never forget your kid, first kid. First kid, yeah. It okay. haunts you. The next, I think they went eight seasons. The next seven seasons, mm-hmm. they never forget that case. Amazing, and not in a way like they bring it up all the time where it's where it's nuts. But you know, like season six, he could be talking to another cop and they, and the the girl that had died. Her name was Adina Watson.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Somebody will make an offhand remark that. In, an, in a show without memory, you just write it off as an offhand remark. But mm-hmm. if you've been watching the show since the beginning, it's real. Yeah. Because sure. you know that. Sure. That actually references something real. You know, somebody gets a case that they can't get over and they go, is this your Dina Watson? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I it's just that. an offhand remark. Like they're, they're ribbing each other. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. And it's just, I mean, there's so many things in that show that were said. That actually changed me as a person. Just great dialogue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Another show that was brilliant with memory that's actually a sitcom, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God.
1: show is based on memory, though. So, at least um, in that context. The goat sense. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Where it's like he's telling the story and there's a goat in the bathroom and then he gets to the end of the episode. He's like, oh, wait a minute. That wasn't that year. Mm-hmm. The goat wasn't there. But then when you get to that point that he's, t- he's telling a story that takes place in the future. Yeah. And when you get to that point in the show, mm-hmm. the thing that he mentioned actually, it actually happens. happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even to where they they, they mentioned stuff about the wedding mm-hmm. in uh, about um, Lily and Marshall's wedding in mm-hmm. season one. Yeah, when they finally get there, mm-hmm. that actually happens. You, know, you know, it can... says you know at the beginning they say something they joke around about him becoming a judge. Mm-hmm. He's a judge by the yeah. end of the show. Yeah, it's like somebody actually wrote all that. Which is, I feel like as a writer, you should be doing. Sure, sure, sure. Can
1: you
3: imagine an awful that didn't do that? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, you, you, you talk about that, but some of our other favorite shows, it's funny because you don't think that, that sitcoms do that, but I think some of the best examples of that are in sitcoms. Um, like Arrested Development. Jeez. I mean, the. How, how elaborate those callbacks are. How complex. <laughs> the, I mean, that, that production crew and that writing staff is amazing to me. I mean, season four, the one on Netflix, whatever. I mean, that one I could do without. I, I it's for even, fans only. Yeah, I couldn't even make it through the entire thing, to be honest with you. I thought
0: there were bright moments in it. But the show as a whole. the f- not even funny. She was on a show on that channel. And they, they, like the next day, they had her removed from all of the posters for that show. Like literally like the next day. Like they didn't even wait to see if it was true or not. Mm. And that bothers me. And it's not like, once again, I'm not saying we need to defend what these people do because we shouldn't. What they do is wrong. But they're human beings and we don't have respect for human beings anymore.
1: I, uh, I, I, I have a tough one with this one because I, I feel like I fundamentally agree with you. Um but I also understand like in the Roseanne case, for example, right? How much do you, I mean, considering her history and considering how, how much into conspiracy theory she is and all that kind of stuff, um, how much, and I don't think this speaks to specifically people standing beside her um, during tough, her her difficulties. I think the core of it is that we as a society completely burn people down and they didn't want to be in the fire as it was burning, right. And, well, and so, and so, I think that's the bigger question: is is why we're so willing to to throw people away, which is something you did mention. Um, I don't really, I don't really think the reaction of any of these people in relation to supporting these others is. I actually think what Sarah Silverman did is like remarkably brave. Um, exactly. Um, but 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 that's not to say that that she. But I think she. It, it works for her too because she's she's got. At least some credibility with being honest that way. So I don't think she lost her fans because her fans expect her to be that way. But by that same token, um, I look at some of the careers of some of these other people who stand to lose a lot by supporting um, the people we're talking about. That's 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 a tough call to make. I don't. I, I honestly don't know if I could publicly support. Um, someone who's like, like Louis C.K., for example, like if I were his friend and I were a comedian and I were on a TV show, I don't know if I could publicly support him. I don't know if I could. And maybe that's, that's sad because
0: that, that means we're maybe driven that, more by self-interest than we are for humanity. Um,
1: to a point, sure. Um, but I think that... How that, is that
0: any other thing? That's, I mean, how's that just to a point? I don't see any other point to that.
1: Well, because the, the, the societal side of that is critical to me. You know, um, but that's I that's your self-interest
0: like, with society. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I 'Cause you know, you said yeah, yeah, you gotta uh-huh. you gotta take the hook and you gotta stab it through both of their mm-hmm. eyes and put it through the skull. Yeah. And he's like, Ugh And there's just this grunt of misery, but it's also very Tom Waits. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, Do you need some John goes, Do you need some help there? And he's like, Yeah. Maybe you uh, maybe you better do it. Uh, we made eye contact. We established a relationship. <laughs> yeah, for, that's got to be. We got
1: to put that in the show notes at least five times because anyone who hasn't seen God, that, kind of hope that's on you, YouTube or something. If you even kind of like Tom Waits, you have to find. That. I actually ended up finding it on YouTube, so okay, I, I know for a fact that it's there at least as of six months ago. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a great example. Oh God, Tom Waits. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the guys who just transcends genres and mediums. Like,
0: doesn't matter what he does,
3: and he's time. just good at it. Yeah, he
0: just doesn't give a shit what what year it is. Yeah, irrelevant. I think his only contact with the modern world, as far as like what's popular and what's not, is through his son, Mm -hmm. who actually on the the last album and maybe the album before that did some drumming for him. Oh, really? Yeah. But he's also, uh, I think he makes hip hop music as well. What? Like he's totally into that. And like, so Tom Waits listens to hip hop now. Wow, that's cool. Obviously,
1: he still listens to all the other. Oh, sure. I would love to see a collaboration between Tom Waits and some hip hop artist. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, that'd be so cool. As long I as wouldn't it's not Kanye. I, I wouldn't put it past him though. I mean, what's one of the albums that we talked about liking and never would have guessed that would have happened? Um, the Roots and Elvis Costello. Oh. God, that's fucking that's, genius. It might, be,
0: it might be one of the best albums by both of them.
1: Yeah. Oh, I agree. I actually think that that's true. Well, I mean, Elvis Costello's had great individual right. bits and pieces here and there, but, the connection but not that, one
0: complete,
1: oh. one complete pro- uh, project from beginning to end that had that much cohesion. And just that much depth to it musically. Oh the, God, it's the such chemistry a great, is unbelievable! Yeah, it's unbelievable. I would have never guessed. <laughs> I would have never. I guessed. I mean, Questlove, from what I've seen, is like par- probably one of the coolest people in the world. Well, he's a virtuoso musician. Virtuoso musician too. He's, he's also just know.
0: a really cool dude. He's on. Uh, he's on anchor, mm-hmm. and all he does on anchor is talk to, ask questions of other people. Huh. Like cool. he, he he's, he's interviewed other people. Yeah. Oh like, wow. Huh, and which it, instead of like focusing on himself, which sure. is, it makes me think he's a very generous person. Questlove. God, one of those guys. I think uh, that kind of bums me out sometimes. I'm like, why doesn't somebody like that get more attention instead of like Kanye? Well, maybe maybe it's he hand doesn't hand want it for you know? money. Yeah, I mean,
1: Kanye is, Kanye is, I as much for for whether you love him or hate him, Kanye's a marketing genius, you know what I mean? Sometimes I think sometimes. he screwed himself up this time. Sure. But I mean, you it's know that like, that uh the new album is streaming on Pornhub? Oh, really? No, I did not. I'm know like that that, that kind of reeks of desperation. To yeah, me. totally. That's weird. I didn't know that. Huh? Somebody's
0: going to hate the fact that I just hated on Kanye. But, oh, but the
1: other side of that, too, is that I think a guy like Questlove doesn't necessarily want it. You know, I yeah. think he's I think he's good with where he is. You know, like he plays I, late he night. And he's always it. been there. He gets to do what he loves for a living and work with amazing people. I, I want mean, to read his, his book. Oh, yeah. That's There's a it's book. It's been out. on my to read list forever. What's the name of it?
0: Mo Better Blues, I think.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I I'm curious as to what the contents of that book would be.
0: It's about music
1: and Mm -hmm. about, I think to some degree it's autobiographical